the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. The loveliness of Paris seems somehow sadly gay. The glory that was Rome is of another day. I've been terribly alone and forgotten in Manhattan. I'm going home. To my city by the bay I left my heart In San Francisco That marvelous voice, that remarkable voice has so sadly been stilled. He says he left his heart in San Francisco, but really it never left his hometown of New York City. And that was, of course, the legendary Tony Bennett. Uh, Tony Bennett, one of the great interpreters of all time of the great American songbook, passed away today at the age of 96. Good evening. This is Joe Sibilia filling in for Arthur Idala on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. You know, it's kind of sad for, for me to have to do this show on this day where one of my favorite singers are really an inspiration to me as somebody who does sing and sing the music of the Great American Songbook. I am a, a tremendous fan of Tony Bennett. His style, his uh, the, the songs that he selected, his body of work, and that's what he always said. He wasn't necessarily after uh, the hit record. He wanted a great body of work, and what a body of work he left behind. Now, Tony Bennett, if you could believe this, Passed away two weeks shy of his 97th birthday. How lucky were we to have him for 96 years and to have that music? And fortunately, with the technology we have today, his music and his voice and even footage of his concerts. People who didn't get to go see him live, uh, that's going to live on for years and years and years to come. And uh, I I think somewhere in the pantheon of music, you always have Frank Sinatra at the top because Frank Sinatra was... The old man. He was the chairman of the board. All right, I have to ask, who is on your Mount Rushmore? So, if we're talking about musicians of that genre, we'll leave it to that genre, you would have to say, obviously, Frank Sinatra goes up there. 
uh, Tony Bennett goes up there for sure. I think you would have to put Ella Fitzgerald because I think if if Frank Sinatra is Mount Olympus, a term that we like to use around here, Frank Sinatra would be Mount Olympus. I would say Tony Bennett is a very close second to Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald, I think, as well. I think those two truly are on par with each other as great musicians. Uh, you know, I like Dean Martin a lot. I think Dean Martin would have to go up on uh, Mount Rushmore, but I don't even think Dean Martin quite has the lasting body of work that Tony Bennett had. I think Tony Bennett, quite frankly, selected better music. I think he sang better songs than Dean Martin did sometimes, and that's not a knock on Dean Martin. I love Dean Martin. I, I, I'm i friends with his daughter, Dina. Uh, it, he's a, a, an icon in his own right, but uh, Tony Bennett was really devoted uh, to three things in his life, from what I can tell. His family, of course. The, then his music. He was wholly devoted to his music, and he had that third passion, which he was so good at. He was so many talents that I don't even know everybody knows about. He was a terrific painter. He had oh, a I did not know whole that. second career. Oh, yeah, as a painter. He would assign his work with his, uh, with his birth name, Benedetto. He was born Anthony Benedetto here in New York back in 1926. Uh, truly the definition of uh, a local kid from the streets who made good. Uh, really, what set him apart from other singers was you listen to a lot of the artists of his era and a lot of them tried to emulate Frank Sinatra. People like Bobby Darin, Steve Lawrence, great singers, don't get me wrong, but very similar in style to Frank Sinatra. Tony Bennett was blessed to have a voice that was just so different from all of their voices. Their voices all had a similar range. They were Tony Bennett had that beautiful tenor voice. But as he always said, he sang like a baritone. He really had a rich voice. It was higher, but it had a lot of depth to it when he sang. Uh, and that stayed with him his whole life. I had the uh, great fortune to see him twice. I saw him back in 2015, and then I saw him again in 2018. I was living in uh, Philadelphia at the time, and he was performing at the Academy of Music. And this is this is a pretty funny story. I have to tell this. Because I did almost have the opportunity to meet Tony Bennett on this great night. And regrettably, I didn't get to. Because you see, I have an arch nemesis in my life. His name is Bradley. Uh, we're like frenemies, you know. I get along with him okay, you know. He's all right, but but he really he, he he really pulled a fast one on me this evening. So I had two tickets to go see Tony Bennett. Now, to give you a little background, I was living directly across the street from the Academy of Music at this time. So this is the easiest commute to a concert ever. Matt, I'm sure you go to a lot of concerts. And it's always a hassle, parking, you know, driving. It's just a pain in the neck to go to a concert, which is right. why I so seldom go to them. This one was directly across the street from my apartment. So literally all I had to do was five minutes before the show, go downstairs, walk across the street two minutes before showtime, sit down, and all of a sudden the show starts. And I'll, for you listening, sort of explain the way Tony Bennett's show was laid out. He really was the last of the true great showmen. It was uh, really structured like an old-fashioned kind of a show. It starts out, band comes on stage. You know, when he played in his later years, he usually played with a smaller group. It was something like a quartet or a quintet. So you would hear the announcer say with the drum roll, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tony Bennett Show. And then the band starts up and they do a song or two. And they're just you know the best jazz musicians in the business. These are the coolest cats that there ever were playing music, and they're playing up there with Tony Bennett. You know, they're older. They're, they're sort of grizzled, wise, and older musicians that play with them. As Tony Bennett was himself, he had, you know, he had seen it all. And then 
when they're done playing, his daughter would come out, Antonia, and she would open for him, and she would do maybe three or four songs. But I always felt a little bad for Antonia because the anticipation was so great to see Tony Bennett. He had that air that someone like a Sinatra had where everybody was on pins and needles waiting to see him because this is a guy who's just, you know, larger than life. And then before Tony Bennett would come out, it would get real quiet and still. And they would play this old recording. And, you know, you can hear the, you know, the crackling of the tape and everything. And it was Frank Sinatra's voice. And Frank would introduce Tony Bennett. This was from a, a... recording I guess it was an interview where he's basically saying Tony Bennett's the best singer he's ever heard and then the music starts up Tony Bennett walks out the second that spotlight hits him all the air gets taken out of the room everyone rises to their feet everyone's screaming and cheering and applauding what seems endlessly and then when that voice comes out this is a guy who's in his early 90s at this point and he still sounds incredible he sings better than people half his age sing he was just A remarkable talent. So after this particular concert, I said to my friend Bradley, I never do this. I said, let's wait by the stage door. Stage door is literally on the street where I live, to quote a song from My Fair Lady. So I say, let's go out and we'll wait by the stage door because we we don't have much of a commute. We only got to walk across the street. So we go and we wait there for like a half hour. So there's maybe a group of about 20 of us waiting by the door. And and that might even be stretching it to say there's 20 of us. Probably more like 10 or 15. So... We're waiting by this car, and for a half hour, Bradley and I are plotting, okay, so you stand here, and I'll stand here, and then when Tony walks behind us, we'll take a selfie as he's getting into the car. We had laid this out perfectly. So finally, Tony Bennett comes out with his wife, Susan, and he goes, hi, everybody, and he says, I said, I got to get in the car, and he gets in the car because it was drizzling a little bit, and immediately our plane goes out the window. All of a sudden, everybody just swarms his automobile, and they're standing by the window. And now, Bradley, you would think, I give him the ticket. You would think he would go out of his way to pull me up. No, he just abandons me and goes straight to the front of the I line. should have jumped in front of the car. He's, oh, please. <laughs> he Well, Bradley sticks his head into the window and talks to Tony Bennett and his wife for like five minutes, gets an autograph, gets a picture, <laughs> and then maybe there's two more people, and the window rolls up and he drives off. And I said, Bradley, come on. What, what is this? I thought we were friends, so now we're enemies. But no, nah, but I, I kid. Bradley does have a tie to Tony Bennett, though, because he attended the Frank Sinatra School of the Arts, which was founded by Tony Bennett uh, back in 2001, and that's in Astoria, Queens, where he grew up. So... Uh, Tony Bennett, a true American icon, dead at the age of 96, and uh, he's going to be greatly missed. Uh, we have a big show. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll probably talk more about Tony Bennett a little bit. I have a few fun facts maybe you didn't know. We have uh, Kenyatta Simpson coming on with us. He's a member of SAG-AFTRA. You've seen him on so many television shows. He's going to talk about the strike. And coming up next, we have Congressman Josh Gottheimer to talk to us about New Jersey suing New York over congestion pricing. Why is this? We'll find out when we come back. More on the Arthur Idala Power Hour with your guest host, Joe Sibilia. And when it's past, I'll be around when he's gone. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? 
Termbusters, a Christian-owned company, can help. There's a tremendous price war in the term life industry. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45, non-smoker, $1 million of coverage, $75 per month level rate for 10 years. Or a man age 50, non-smoker, can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of $110. Level rate for 20 years. That's right, guaranteed level rate for 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At Termbusters. We specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote at 800-558-9940. You're probably paying more than you should. Call 800-558-9940. Remember, 800-558-9940. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker underwriting. Exam required to qualify. That number for term busters, Christian owned and operated, is 800-558-9940. Bayridge Honda is kicking off the 4th of July by saving you $1,500. That's how much you can get when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with them. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Your Honda dealer serving the five boroughs. The Sabah family makes you feel like family when you walk into their showroom. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. Right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy a car from them, they want to buy your car. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for detail. N73023. This is an important notice to all U.S. taxpayers. The IRS is giving away billions of dollars in tax savings through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative to aid delinquent taxpayers. This initiative was established for anyone facing financial hardship and unable to pay their back taxes. Qualifying and enrolling in this program will stop all collections, settle your delinquent tax problem, and even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars. Call the hotline at People's Tax Relief to see if you qualify and get this free information by dialing 800-548-6839. If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-548-6839. 800-548-6839. 800-548-6839. Let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Correct. On my birthday, on your birthday, the soon as possible, that's the way to go. You may need a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will, an estate plan. The goal of Connors & Sullivan attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no-obligation consultation. Call Connors & Sullivan today. 
need to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connor says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Today is a huge day in the fight against New York's commuter-crushing congestion tax. If the MTA gets their way, less than a year from now, right near here at the GW Bridge, hardworking Jersey families will be stuck with $23 a day tax, $5,000 a year, just to drive to work in New York City. That's on top, as Bob said, of the $17 they pay a day already. It's on top of parking. It's on top of gas. And that is the voice of Congressman Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat representing New Jersey's 5th Congressional District, who has been fighting the good fight against congestion pricing in New York, as you've heard, that certainly will impact uh, many uh, people who commute day after day into the city from New Jersey. And so honored to have him on the Arthur Idala Power Hour with me today, guest hosting. Congressman, this is Joe Sibilia talking with you today. How are you? It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Joe, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you making the time. You know, it's crazy to think that anybody could possibly afford uh, to pay $23 per day uh, to drive into uh, Manhattan does this just hurt New York at the end of the day and benefit New Jersey? Will this drive jobs from Manhattan and from the city out to the Garden State? I mean, you just put your finger on a huge issue, which I'm scratching my head about now for years. New York's desperate to get people coming back into the city, right? They want people coming back to work. All the small businesses depend on it. And what do they do as a welcome back gift after the pandemic? They say, we're going to whack you with an additional $5,000 a year, $20 a day tax just to drive to work on top of what you pay for parking, on top of the $17 you pay for tolls already, on top of what you pay for gas. It's insane. I don't understand it. It's why the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce and all the business groups and the Broadway shows, it's why they're all against it uh, because it's so it will do nothing but hurt New York and actually push more businesses and jobs to Jersey and get people to stay in Jersey instead of going to work in New York. Now, it's interesting when you put it that way, you would almost think you would want New York to keep the congestion pricing if it's going to benefit New Jersey. But obviously, I can see how that's just impractical at the end of the day. Now, the crux of this lawsuit yeah, seems— and you got a lot of people who have to—listen, you got a nurse. I was talking to a nurse the other day, right? Uh, she goes to work every day in New York, has to—that's to, where her job is, right? And she has no choice but to drive in. She works odd hours. Uh, an electrician I spoke to the other day, he does the same thing. you got restaurant workers— Right, people have to commute to New York. It's just the way our regional economy works, right? But there's going to be a lot of people who who can afford not to, or whose jobs they can work from home are going to stay in Jersey. Now, it's interesting because it, it seems to be, and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a layman on this, but it appears that this lawsuit, the crux of it is that uh, the congestion pricing violates the National Environmental Policy Act. Now, are you able to explain to me what this uh, act is and what this means exactly? Well, just simply put, basically the MTA, which is the mass transit uh, organization that oversees the subway in New York and the buses, right, they sent a report to the federal government asking for permission to do this congestion tax. In their report they submitted, they admitted 
that it will not only lead to more traffic in the area, but lead to more pollution because you'll have more truck traffic stuck at the GW Bridge, more cars backed up at the tunnels, um, and the, tra- the, the extra traffic at the bridge and those trucks will give off a lot more emissions, including cancer-causing formaldehyde and other chemicals, which they admitted in their report. Uh, so that affects the environment, affects the air, affects all those things that the EPA oversees and the DOT oversees. So they, Department of Transportation, so they, we were all shocked that the Department, U.S. Department of Transportation just rubber-stamped their application even after they admitted all this bad stuff for the environment. And that's why New Jersey is suing uh, the Department of Transportation, saying, hey, wait a second, you must have missed something here when you read this 900-page report about all the pollution and cancer-causing pollution this is going to cause, especially affecting children and, and, uh, and families in northern New Jersey and the outer boroughs. So no other city in the United States has actually implemented congestion pricing yet, but Stockholm, London, and Singapore have had congestion pricing for many years, and they report that they have benefited from it. There's a decreased uh, carbon dioxide, less pollution. Uh, but does this basically just move the pollution from one place into another, and this other place being New Jersey? Well, that's exactly right. And London, by the way, has had a lot of mixed stories about if it's worked or not worked. They also have a much different transit system than we do, right? We're, we just did a lot of parts of northern New Jersey and out of boroughs and Westchester and other areas. There's just not mass transit options, right? So you have to drive. There just aren't, they're just not available for us to, to hop on a train or get on a bus, right? So that's part of the challenge. And, and also New York is admitting that, yeah, maybe south of 60th Street, you'll have less pollution. But north of 60th Street and in the outer boroughs and in northern New Jersey, you're going to have more pollution. So as you point out, it's just it's like when my, uh, my kid used to play soccer when he was six and run around on the field. And like they all follow the ball. So it's basically blobs of pollution just moving around in different places. Instead of being south of 60th Street, it'll now be uh, in the outer boroughs and in northern New Jersey. We're talking with Congressman Josh Gottheimer here on the Arthur Idell Power Hour, and this is Joe Sibilia guest hosting tonight for Arthur. You know, it was just recently announced this week uh, that the MTA is going to raise fares uh, for the subways and for the buses uh, from $2.75 to $2.90 starting on August 20th. Express bus fares are going to go from $6.75 to $7, among other increases. So from a fiscal perspective, what is the point of congestion pricing if we're already raising the fares for our public transportation here in New York? And does this hurt New Jerseyans as well, just to raise the fares? I mean, I assume a lot of people from New Jersey who work in the city, commute into the city, also take mass transit in the city. Yeah, I mean, the MTA is a hot mess, right? I mean, they, they're one of the worst mess, uh, mismanaged uh, mass transit systems in the entire country. They lost the, they're about, ran about $2 billion loss last year. Um, they have nearly a $6 billion hole overall um, that they're running. And if you look at how bad it is, last year alone they lost $700 million to fare skippers, people who just didn't pay to ride, right? They just jumped the fare. That's how poorly run the mass transit system is there. So what they're doing is looking at Jersey to pick up the bill, and in the process they're also jacking up prices on their own residents and commuters, and of course, a lot of people from Jersey who work in New York also, as you pointed out, ride on their mass transit. So Jersey families and commuters are going to get doubly whacked here uh, with an additional fee uh, with their higher prices to ride the subway and, and ride the buses in New York City. Have there ever been talks of there being some sort of congestion pricing somewhere in New Jersey at one time or another? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, what? so no, that I'm not, nothing I've heard about. What's been talked about is 
how do we make sure we keep improving our mass transit system in New Jersey, which I think we should. You know, I've, I've worked very hard on this bipartisan infrastructure bill last year, uh, which got I helped write and pass, which includes investments in mass transit. We've obviously got the Gateway Train Tunnel. We got resources for that's the train tunnel that goes under the Hudson River, right? So that's going to be and that we're going to invest in there. Those are all good things. We want more mass transit options, but you can't stick it to people who have to commute and get in their car every day, right? And and that's what this is really about. Uh, this big cash grab from New York, looking at Jersey to solve problems for their MTA's mismanagement and mess. So allow me to play devil's advocate for a second. Now, of course, as you had referenced before, Congressman, New York did take a severe financial hit during the pandemic. And I, listen, I love New York City. I've lived here for a couple of years. I'm from New Jersey. I have loyalties in New Jersey, of course, as well. Uh, and I want to see both succeed. So what would you consider to be a fair compromise between New York and New Jersey on this congestion pricing issue? Should New York want to go through with it still? Uh, what do you think is uh, a good middle ground uh, for New Jersey and New York to reach? Well, and just one thing you should know, during the pandemic, the federal government gave $15 billion to New York's mass transit, which they blew already. And they get $2 billion a year from the federal government for their mass transit. So there's plenty of resources that have come from the federal government to help uh, the mass transit system in New York City. I mean, what do I think is right? I think they shouldn't raise fares at all. Uh, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't do any $23 hit to uh, hardworking commuters. People are already paying $17 a day to the, through the Port Authority, which we split New Jersey and New York split to, to go into New York City. You've got a lot of New Jersey folks who work in New York. They give $2 billion a year in paying income taxes to New York, right? Those are New Jersey residents who work in New York. They already give $2 billion to New York. I think it's outrageous that New York is saying, hey, we want more. We want you to fix our problems. I think New York should fix the MTA. I think they should look to their own budgets in the state and say, okay, where can we move resources from? They gave, I don't know, what was it, $600 million or $700 million to build a new stadium in Buffalo, right? I mean, maybe they should start there and say maybe that was a bad use of uh, public funds. Maybe we should take that money and move it to the mass transit system. I mean, I think they got to make some tough choices, just like we got to make tough choices in New Jersey. But the answer isn't turning around and saying in Jersey, hey, you should pay our bills. Congressman, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We're all out of time. But thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again soon. And best of luck on your fight. Thanks, man. Take care. Take care. Same to you. Thank you, Congressman. Congressman Josh Gahami right there. Coming up next on the Arthur Idala Power Hour, I have the distinct pleasure to be talking with somebody who has appeared on many television shows Uh, He is a member of SAG-AFTRA, and he is fighting the good fight on the front lines, or rather the picket lines, and his name is Kenyatta Simpson. He'll be joining us uh, coming up momentarily on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I want to pick his brain. What are his concerns about this strike, and should we be worried about AI potentially replacing extras and background actors in film and television? We'll find out more coming up next.
Tonight at 7, it's the fun Friday edition of Radio Night Live. Christine Nicholas, Kevin McCullough, tearing it up, having a good time, hoping you will join us as we look at all things fun for your weekend. Do not miss this weekending edition. With over 100 years of law enforcement and his family's blue blood, Tommy Setner gives a just-the-facts, bird's-eye street perspective on all things current events, politics, law enforcement, and entertainment. Joined by Robin DeLore, producer and entertainer. The Tommy Setner Show. Buckle up, America. Listen to The Tommy Setner Show with Robin DeLore, weekdays at noon on AM 970, The Answer. Want more? AM 970, The Answer? Go to am970theanswer.com to listen live. Tune in to podcasts from the shows you missed anytime you want. Learn more about our advertisers. Join the AM 970 fan club and sign up for events. am970theanswer.com Hi, it's Arthur Idala. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for almost a year now. Well, Plaza College, which you know has been around since 1916, not only has the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to their first graduating cohort of nursing students. The first cohort began with 20 students and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Congratulations. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's P-L-A-Z-A college.edu. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. Have you been injured in a construction site accident? Have you fallen from a scaffold, ladder, or height while on the work site? If the answer is yes, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. In most cases, the law in New York favors you as the plaintiff if injured in a fall while working on someone else's property. It is important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We're always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Kamins at 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Kamins, fighting for justice, fighting for you. Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny, bald, smooth head. Hemp Leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp Leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving 
making my skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at HempLeaf.com. That's Hemp, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Matt Sambon's favorite songstress right here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour with your guest host for the day, Joe Sibilia. And there truly is no business like show business, especially these days, considering that not one but two of the major entertainment industry unions are on strike right now. Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA, which was Screen Actors Guild and American Federation Television Radio Artists. Uh, But I have somebody who has been on the front lines, as I said before, or rather the picket lines. Uh, his name is Kenyatta Simpson. He himself is an actor. You've seen him on Law & Order SVU, Sesame Street, Blue Buds, uh, FBI's Most Wanted. Not for what you might be thinking, but he was on FBI's Most Wanted, and uh, among many other titles that, that you are probably all familiar with. Kenyatta, thank you for joining me today. How are you? It's a pleasure to have you in the studio. It's nice to be here. I'm so happy to be here. I, You know, it's been... Very, very strange these last two and a half months of what we're going through. The WGA, Writers Guild, and now us. And it's so funny, as of today, the Writers Guild, I think it's in their 80th day of strike. That, that, it doesn't even seem like it's been And for days. us, uh, SAG-AFTRA, we're now in day six. And it feels like it's been 60 days since SAG-AFTRA uh, went yeah, on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I said it's it's been rough. But, you know, I, I said the fact is we're all coming together because we want better pay. And I'm to nowhere near. I, I even to talk about it makes me sick. I can only imagine because I, I think when people hear oh SAG after is going on strike, they think well Julia Roberts and George Clooney and Timothy Chalamet are on the picket line complaining that they're not being paid enough money. They've made millions upon millions of dollars. But truly, I think people forget not only are there people who are working character actors or a, as you are a background actor, and I want to get and I do stand in as well and stand in as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're working class people and you're out to make a living. And when the union goes on strike, you can't make a living. And uh, no. it's uh, it, it's very difficult. Let me ask you, uh, what exactly is the crux of the strike? Is this because of the threat that artificial intelligence could come in and potentially uh, take over some of the duties of background actors? Well, the thing is, is that, and that's why I say when I, when we were, I say, you know, it makes me sick to talk what I was going to say about AI, which is artificial intelligence, Who, if you don't know what it is. What they want to do is they want to use your likeness and they'll scan you. They could scan your face or your entire body, whatever they want to do. And then they want to pay you only one payment. Right. So it's not like, use my body, use my face, pay me $500, only $500. And then you know what? Pat you on the back. Thank you for your services. 
have a good life. And that would be to use your likeness in perpetuity? And to keep using it wow. without paying me. It's and funny. No is residuals that, or royalties or anything like that. It's funny. It's like we, um, you know, we talk about non-union people getting commercials. And with us, we barely can get commercials because, you know, like I said, they paid us $5,000 to do a commercial. And then maybe we'll get 20% every time the show airs. Right. But in this case, like say with non-union, if they do commercials, and they do a lot of them, they'll get paid again. We'll say $100 and that's it. Right. You get paid one get time and that's once it. Once and only once. And that's why it's important for the union to stand together on this issue. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the state of residuals uh, for background actors? Let's say you're on a show like Law & Order. And Law & Order not only broadcasts constantly in syndication on cable, but also on streaming. Are you paid when people watch the show on streaming? Well, let's say, like I said, with background, we don't really get residuals. But however, like say if a person um, had, a, let's say, if they did background, maybe got upgraded to a speaking role. Right. They could. Um, and what's defined? Now, this will sound like a silly question. What's defined as a speaking role? Usually there's a certain number of lines that you have to speak in the episode. How many lines? Yeah, like, well, you could sometimes maybe get five lines. I think it's five lines that they would have to pay you. But sometimes, again, like I said, you get um, maybe $1,000 for it. Right. But if you do, um, a resi- like say if you get a residual check every time it airs, I know there was one actor, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but she ended up getting a total of 56 checks. Now, you think, oh, my girl's getting paid. <laughs> no. <laughs> as a matter of fact, no, as a matter of fact, I'm going to I, I would say this right now. The 56 checks that she got supposedly was I think totaled 87 bucks. Oh wow. wow. Now, I'm going to I, I want to take out this out of my pocket to show you an example of what people will get residuals. You see here a quarter, a nickel, a penny, and a dime. Okay. So if they did something and get residuals for it, the next thing you know when they open up the check, there's a 10 cents. Yeah. They open up another check. There's a quarter. Maybe sometimes they'll get a dollar. Who knows? <laughs> then there's another ch- thing they'll get. It'll be a five cents. And then, of course, <laughs> you see what I'm holding up in my hand? People have <laughs> been getting one cent. Is it worth <laughs> less than the paper that the check is printed on? Right. That you're getting yeah, I now? said, I, I just might as well just rip it up and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> because I said, that's, but that's, you know, it's three cents more than what you had. But that's what they usually pay because it's just, it's crazy. And that's what we're fighting for is for more money because for us, I don't want to say like exactly what we make, but if we weren't on strike now, which I don't know if I talk about, I could say it, we would have had 191 over 8, which is for the 8-hour day. And if you do stand-in work, I think it would be 224 over 8. But the problem is it's not enough. When you, If you want to get health benefits or your pension, you got to make, as a background actor, 26000 a year if at least to get that, or especially to get the health insurance. If you're a writer with the writers go, it's forty grand. Oh wow. And they barely get and we barely, barely get that. Barely get that. Because even if we do get it and we make buy, we have to work at least the whole year, which is wonderful because I said I'd love to work the whole year. That's great. Right. But sometimes you might work Two months, great. You got two months. Next thing you know, you ain't working for three or four months. What is the process for you? Is there a grueling sort of audition process that you have to go through to land a lot of these background roles? Is it tough to get into this area of work? Well, I work with a wonderful company called Casting Networks. Now, what that is is that um, they find roles for you. So you give them a valid email address that you have, 
and they'll send you roles of what you have. And then you just apply for the roles. Like it says, okay, I want to play, I say, a police officer on Law and Order. You press that, and they'll call you back. But sometimes what they've been doing me, because I've done it so much, because I've been doing it now, um, this can't believe it's going to be my 10th year. Oh, wow. Yeah, 10th year, and it's going into my 7th year of being in SAG. And what they'll do is they say, Kenya, are you free? Because I say, you don't have to ask me. I'm free. I'm always free. <laughs> but, you know, I, I say, you know, if you are, you free to do Law & Order today. And then what they'll do is they say, we'll put you on first avail. And then they'll give you, like I say, if you get a specific number. Because when you're in SAG, they have to have 25 people. In any, move, in any uh, TV show you do, they have 25. Sometimes they'll do 30. Um, 25 you, background people? Yes, or just 25, 25, background, 25 okay. background, and it can only be 25 people. If you had non-union with them, it could be as much as 500 people. Oh, wow. But when you do a movie, you have to have 85, or maybe it might be 90, who knows, or 100, but you have to have 85 definitely in the, in the movie in SAG, and it could be as much as 15,000 non-union. Oh, wow. So, you know, you have to have that. And, you know, we get, like I said, we get more money. We get privileges of, you know, going online for a seat, big whoop. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, and then we get like a couple, we have to have 10-minute breaks, whatever it is. And if we work overtime, I mean, sometimes I'll be doing anywhere between a 10-and-a-half-hour day to sometimes 15-and-a-half hours. So who have been some of the people that uh, uh, people might recognize that have been showing up at the picket line and showing the support uh, for the plight of SAG-AFTRA. Well, I was, and then I was saying that to you, Matt. You're going to really like this when I tell you. On Monday, there was a guy that came up to me, and you know the, how these stars are. They always have the little hats and the little dark glasses because right. they don't want to be recognized. And the guy asked me a question, and I said, yeah, I think they'll be here tomorrow, blah, 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 because we were um, picketing at 30 Rock. And my friend came up to me and says, Kenyatta, do you know who that was? I said, oh, because <laughs> I didn't know who it was. And come to find out, it was Christian Slater. Oh, wow. Great actor. And, oh, no, he is. And, yeah, you know, he's done an interview with a vampire. And I remember back in the day, it showed you gave him my age, uh, Legend of Billie Jean. And I think he just did a, a series. Um, it was about, uh, oh, what was, it, you might remember this, the, the movie with uh, Meredith Baxter. Uh, she played the, uh, uh, Be- Betty Broderick. They Betty did Broderick. Betty Broderick uh, recently, and he played, uh, the, and then he the, also did Mr. Robot, husband. and he was also on Mr. Robot with right. Rami and Malik. You know, he did that, who right. won the Oscar for Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. And, um, yeah, he's been doing a lot of shows, but, yeah, he's been marching with us. I mean, we've had many, many people who've come out to support us. The other day I saw Geraldo Rivera. Oh, wow. I he's saw, a friend of this show and of Arthur Adal, of Yeah. Course. I saw uh, Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedwick. I oh, called wow. the, ba- the Bacons. They were there, too. Um, I've seen, oh, I mean, so, so many stars have showed up in support, which is blessing to us, because this is a serious, serious time now. Because in our three-year contract, you know, if we get what we want, great, wonderful. But who knows what will happen in the next three years? Who knows what could happen in 10 years? And that's the thing that scares me, because I could be replaced by machines. And that's not good, because I want to work. Well, not good I want, for us either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, we want <laughs> to work because now we have in a day and age that machines are replacing everything. Even if you go to a grocery store, it's like people don't want to, you know, scan the stuff for you. You got to scan it yourself. But then that's, that's the problem is you're putting that person out of a job. And that's not good because part of having a job to pay your bills is manual labor. But now it's like computers are taking it over. It's like the like like you're on an episode of the Jetsons. Which I was is so just going to say I was always surprised George Jetson had a job yeah, with everything that yeah. was automated. But like I said, and it's funny. Like I said, when COVID happened, and I says, you know, we're talking to each other on TVs now. I like what we're doing right now. I'm talking to your face, the both your faces, right? You know. But back then, it's like you look at the computer screen. Now I'm talking to you on a computer, and now that's becoming the norm, and that's scary. 
And that's what we're fighting about now is that we don't want to be replaced by artificial intelligence. We want better pay because, like I said, we need that health insurance. We need our pensions to, to have a comfortable, happy, retired life. I think no matter what happens, I think there will always be a place for the human actor to be in the room. Because this, yeah, be. this goes back to uh, something uh, that happened, I'd say, about 20 years ago that I don't even know if you realize. sort of compares to this. Uh, th- th- there was a period of time where Pixar w- was becoming a-, a major powerhouse in the world of uh, film and animation. And a lot of executives got to thinking, you know, at Disney, we'll phase out the hand-drawn animated films, the two-dimensional films, like you would see, like Pinocchio and Fantasia and this, that, Mm -hmm. the other thing. So they completely phased out that department in favor of solely computer animation. But what you've seen is the traditional animation has still survived on television. So even though you have a certain technology in one area, you still have uh, something that's uh, more traditional in the other area. So I think no matter what happens, uh, SAG-AFTRA and uh, the filmmakers, uh, they're going to have to work together because... Uh, you're never going to completely replace the human element of acting. And let me let me uh, add this, because when I heard this a couple of days ago, I, it kind of made me sad, but made me cringe, is that 87% of us uh, who are background fall short of g- making our benefits to get our health insurance and our pension. 92% of the writers, 92, 92%, they fall short of what they need. And I say, we all get cheaply paid and i said this is what we're fighting for for more money because i says what they wanted to do in the contract was it was supposed to be um 11 percent and that's what we asked for 11 percent at first and then the next two years after or next two years is uh four and four they wanted to give us five percent and i believe is somewhere in between the meaning of two point two point five to three percent which is really nothing because we're making four dollars a year that's Think about that four dollars a year, no, that's and insane. I says, I, and I said, what can four dollars do? I says, well, they can get me half to where I want to go on the train, and then, <laughs> and that says, or better yet, I can get that that del- most delicious Wendy's Happy Meal I've always won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but 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 it's you know we laugh about it, but it's it's really a sad time in our lives that how much we, you know we work very hard, but we get paid very. I don't want to say the S word, but you know, you know what I'm going yes. to get. Sugar honey iced tea. Yeah, there exactly. Go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Kenyatta, we've got to leave it there, but uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, talking to us about this I'm uh, critical I'm very issue. I'm happy to be here. And uh, showing our support uh, for all of you at SAG-AFTRA and wishing you, you the best on your uh, mission. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a moment on the Arthur Idal Power Hour. This is Joe Sibilia filling in for Arthur. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this message. This is Seth Liebson of AM960, The Patriot, for townhall.com. Free speech at our nation's public universities is constrained today, especially for conservatives. That means learning from a diverse range of thought is diminished and removed from academic and intellectual credibility. Earlier this year at Arizona State University, Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, and others were invited to speak on the topic of health, wealth, and happiness. 39 professors wrote a public letter condemning Prager and Kirk, claiming Prager, author of Why the Jews, and Kirk were white nationalists. 
The event did take place, but with tremendous security measures. Then, the two administrators who put the event together were fired. ASU thinks this was all fine, but defamation and punitive consequences for freedom of speech at a public university is not freedom of speech. It is punishment and retribution for speech, and unconstitutional. Dennis and I were fortunate enough to testify to this effect this week before the Arizona legislature. There should be consequences for ASU's deplorable behavior. I'm Seth Leibson. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Let's go on a trip. My friend and morning show host Joe Piscopo has teamed up with Steve Perillo to create a special offer to our AM 970 audience, a special Perillo tour with Joe Piscopo. Three nights in Rome, seeing the important sites like the Vatican, the Colosseum, the Forum, as well as a special dinner performance by Joe Piscopo, which is so much fun. Then fly to Sicily and spend four nights in Taromina with day trips like Syracuse, adorned by Greek, Roman, and Baroque architecture. Next Taromina's Godfather Tour. Visit the medieval villages of Forza de Argo and Savoca. See the famous Bar Vitelli, where Michael Corleone asked Apollonia's father for her hand in marriage. Next, on to beautiful Palermo for three more nights before flying home. Rome and Sicily, what a great customized trip. A Perillo Tour is a stress-free, escorted vacation where you don't lift a finger. So call today, 1-800-431-1515. That's one 800 4 311-1515 or go to perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The answer. Just whistle That's what we're doing right here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour, whistling as we work in order to serve you and uh, give you the best entertainment experience that anyone has ever heard on the radio, though that's next to impossible when uh, Arthur Idala is not here as the host. But rather, I am Joe Sebelia, filling in for Arthur. Now, the reason you're hearing uh, that song from Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was because I found that something I talked about the last time I sat in for Arthur uh, has sort of come full circle. So when I filled in the last time, we were talking about the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid and my disdain for the idea of redoing all of the Disney films, uh, not because of uh, people complain about, well, you're making them quote-unquote woke or whatever, and that's not what bothers me. I just like the traditional films as they are. I'm old-fashioned. I like to hold on to... I I like to... I I don't like the films to be somehow lessened because we're going to redo them. Now, uh, Disney is doing a live-action remake of Snow White. Kenyatta, I assume you've heard of the Snow White remake. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt Sambolin was kind enough over the weekend to send me an article. So, now, this one... I have to admit, I am going to renege on what I said that I'll never see these because just the sheer curiosity factor of this one. So uh, Rachel Ziegler, who was in the new West Side Story movie, is playing Snow White. And then there are not seven dwarfs, but rather there are seven magical creatures. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle this week within the Disney company because a picture had leaked, I guess, from the set of uh, Miss Ziegler and uh, the magical creatures. Uh, There is one little person in that group, and the reason they're magical creatures is because Peter Dinklage, who is an actor from Game of Thrones, you may have seen him in Elf. He played Mm -hmm. Miles Finch in that movie, the writer who uh, Buddy the Elf dubs an angry elf. Uh, uh, He had been sort of outraged that they're still doing the story, which he feels is uh, not terribly kind toward his community. And 
I can totally respect that. So they made a creative decision, and they're doing magical creatures. So there is one little person among this group, and then there's six other people who are of different ethnicities and genders and what have you. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this because they, they looked like they belonged in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. The way they were dressed, they looked like they could have been on the Pirates ride uh, in, they in actually Disney called World. them magical creatures? Magical creatures is what they're being referred okay. to as. So just the sheer curiosity factor, I'm dying to see this film. Uh, I I, uh, I, like I, I think it's going to be great. This I like movie. to see who they're going to make as dopey. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would like to see who's going to play the magic mirror for that matter. See? You didn't think of that. Anyway, no. uh, that, that's going to be very exciting. So now we were talking uh, about uh, Tony Bennett before, and I wish I had more time because I could go on all day about him, but I do have to address uh, something that went on yesterday on the show, which was we did a wonderful remote at Plaza College uh, last night we went over there, and let me tell you, this is on par with any television taping I've ever been to. So Plaza College really pulls out all the stops. They had somebody with an applause sign for the audience. The audience was just so excited to be there. You didn't even need a, a warm-up guy for this crowd. It, it was a wonderful. Uh, I, I have to say the spread that they put out was wonderful. The food was great. Uh, the people at Plaza College could not be kinder, could not be more hospitable. They even had a band leader there. They had a guy on the piano, a gentleman by the name of Jacob Khalil, who did a great job. He was like the resident Paul Schaefer. I mean, it was like any game show you've been to. Was that exciting? They were playing music when they did the raffle. If Kevin McCullough could have bought a vowel, he would have bought a vowel. Uh, I it think was he was just, ready, too. It, w- it was wonderful. It was a, a fun time. So uh, a thank you to Chuck Callahan and everybody at Plaza College because – uh, you, you did a terrific job hosting us uh, so we could do the Arthur Idala Power Hour uh, from your wonderful institution. And a school is really about the people who are there, uh, the students, the faculty, the administration, and the people who are at Plaza College are truly yeah, the cream of the crop. facility there as well. They are definitely on the cutting edge. So they've only been there for a couple of years, I mm-hmm. found out. I think I, Chuck said since 2016. Correct. And uh, it... It was a gorgeous, gorgeous facility. I was uh, uh, thrilled that I got to be a part of that magical evening that took place last night at uh, uh, Plaza College. Alex, what's going on in sports? Yanks are home today against the Royals for a three-game set. A must-win series in the Bronx. Could Aaron Judge be coming back against the Mets? We have to find out. That's going to be the sports update for you. Very interested to see the new Snow White edition myself. Nobody with one leg on there, right? Just just one. No, there were, there were no <laughs> magical creatures with one leg. So or crutches. All right. Well, we so you should that. make a snig about that. Maybe they'll add an eighth one. How about hey, that? why not? Why not? How about that? I I, I I don't know. I saw the Pinocchio. They did a Pinocchio remake. That one I gave in and saw. Because Pinocchio was always one of my favorites. And needless to say, I was disappointed that I even saw it. There, there was a joke that was just so crass. It was, it, it just disgusted me. I, I, I just can't. I love Disney. I would love to be the voice in a Disney film one day if I ever get that chance. Uh, but I I just, uh, I, I'd say God bless for these remakes. But I just got to stick to the original golden oldie that is Snow White. Because that's just... That's just a classic. I don't know. Al, you have to... Uh, uh, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to Al Gattulo sitting where you're sitting. Matt, you've sat through uh, You've sat through that a few times, haven't you, with yes. uh, your daughter, Nora? Absolutely. Do you, do you get tired of her pretending to sing into the wishing well? I'm wishing <laughs> for the... She actually does like more of the modern, the newer stuff. Yeah, the the Encantos, the Toy Stories. I... I, I I don't know. I, I can't get into that. I, the, the old ones are so oh, you charming. You have an old soul. I do have 
an old soul. I, I really do. Well, all I can say is this old soul is just crushed that uh, we've lost Tony Bennett. Two quick fun facts for you about Tony Bennett before we go. Uh, one, I don't know if you know this, Bob Hope gave Tony Bennett his stage name. I don't know if you knew well, that or not, but uh, right. he, he was the one who dubbed him Tony Bennett. He was going by the name Joe Barry for a while, and uh, Bob Hope... Uh, said, uh, you're a great singer, but Anthony Benedetto's not going to cut it, so we'll call you Tony Bennett. And also, Tony Bennett was on the first ever broadcast of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson on October 1st, 1962. He sang his recent hit, I Left My Heart in San Francisco that night, and he was on the show along with uh, that other nonagenarian, Mel Brooks. Uh, Joan Crawford was there, Groucho Marx, Rudy Valley. It was uh, a magical night, to be sure. Tony Bennett, a legacy that's going to live on forever. Uh, regrettably, the show won't live on forever because uh, we're uh, almost over. So this is Joe Sibilia. Thank you, Arthur Idala. Thank you, Jerry Crowley. Thank you, Matt Sambol, and all my guests, Alex Garrett. Good night. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.